We are entering Thanksgiving season, we're entering Christmas season, and uh, with that said, let, let me put it this way as Christians should say, we are entering a season of worship. That's what it is. It's, it's way more than holiday, it's way more than gifts, it's way more than shopping, it's way more than fighting on Black Friday, it's way more than all those things. And... Um, I don't, I don't think everybody's going to view it that way. I, I think a lot of people are going to miss, and I'm talking to the body of Christ, I'm talking about Christians, of, of what it is, that, that, that we're here to give thanks to God, we focus on God, we praise God. Worship is something that is way more than a song, it's, it's way more than events, it's way more than praise. I'm, I'm going to set the stage for what we're going to do next week. So turning your Bibles to praise verses. So we're going to have turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And I am going to take you back to the beginning to set the stage for you to understand why you were created. You woke up this morning... And breath was coming out of your mouth because you were created to praise God. You were here today, sitting in a seat and standing and praising God because you were created by God to worship Him. And I know a lot of times we view it as worship is part of what I do, or worship is something that I do. No, it is why you were created. And I, know you're, I know minds are going every direction. I, I thought we were to worship or, or witness, or I thought we were to go to church, or I thought it was this. I'm going to show you from the very beginning. Let me show you. When God created us from the beginning to the very end of time in Revelation, you know what we do for all eternity? Worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. We were created for worship. It goes very deep. So let me take you through the beginning of the Bible and almost just give you a history lesson this morning and then show you how God was redeeming us back to worship. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It's amazing how Pastor Michael did not know what I was preaching on today. And the, and the, the worship choice of songs did not know what I was preaching on today, but it was that very thought. Look at verse 3, and God. Verse 4, and God. Verse 5, and God. Verse 7, and God. Verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, and God. G-O-D, and God. And all of God's creation from the very beginning, here is God speaking the power of God to create out of nothing, and God did it all. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let's make, hey, hey, let's stop and do this differently. We're going to make them after our image. Not that we look like God, we don't know exactly in the image, but we were made to love We were made to be happy. We were made to rejoice. We were made to care. That's why we have the fruit of the Spirit. What comes out of us came from Him. Let's make man for our fellowship. God does not fellowship with the squirrels and the raccoons. God created us for fellowship. But notice, 
the name God, Hebrew Elohim, okay, the creator from the beginning. We know this. You'll know this tonight. Walk outside and look up at the stars and see the moon. Walk out the day and see the sun. Walk out and see everything around us and you're going to say, wow, how great is our God? Because you can see G-O-D, our God, Elohim, creator, the one that speaks and creates out of nothing. Chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Over and over again, God, 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 stop Lord God, no longer just God. With everything that he created, he only spoke the words or said the title God. But now we have the Lord God. Some of you might know the capital L-O-R-D is Yahweh or Jehovah. It's different. This this is different. I, I can't explain how drastically different this is because what he does describes Jehovah now. In Genesis 2, 7 through 9, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Can we just stop for a minute and, and just soak that in? And I, and I know we all have said it. You probably quoted it. You've taught it in Sunday school. We've repeated that. The one that had the power to create solar systems that they have telescopes that reach deeper and deeper and deeper in the space and they still cannot fathom how far it goes. And the galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxy and it all works in perfect sync. And the God that created the oceans and the mountains that man cannot even conquer, that God that spoke all of that stops and forms. Man, I don't know what it was like, but just... Imagine God, dust of the earth. Is that not baffling to you? That God put his hands on us and begin to form out of the dirt. Then God stopped and took his face and breathed into our face the breath of life in that dirt that you might say is nothing and it doesn't matter and who am I and I'm nothing and God said no you were created in my likeness you were made by me these hands don't make junk The breath of God doesn't just waste. It gives life. Man became a living soul. And God created man, placing him into the garden to enjoy and inhabit everything that he created. And that God, Jehovah, walked with them and dwelt with them and spoke to them and instructed them and fellowshiped with them. And then God said, I want to give you more. And God puts Adam out and takes a rib hands on again. And God made Eve out of the rib. And God then takes her and says, here, 
Jehovah. Put it like that. Put it like this. Elohim, the God up there. Jehovah, the one that formed me. God, the sun, moon, and stars. Jehovah, the one that breathed on me. God, the one that created the mountains. Jehovah, the one that created me. Our God is a personal God. You miss it. Every time you reference him as the big guy upstairs, he's not the big guy upstairs, he's my dad. I want you to get this. Talking about worship this morning. So, all right, get down to how we sing and how we clap and how we raise our hand. No, 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 no. Let's get to the core of this. He realized that when God did all of that, God implanted inside man the DNA, the very fiber of man was created to worship, to desire, to be with God. Let me illustrate it like this. I am pastor. I have that name put on most of what I am referenced here at the church. Tonight we have a deacon's meeting at 5 o'clock. We'll meet in a room. We'll talk about official things. People approach me and call me. Hey, Pastor Tony, can I talk to you? At home I am dad. I have three kids, Jordan, Logan, and Morgan, and a beautiful wife. Let me tell you, the, the, the relationship goes from this to at home. We're being goofy and we're, we're, we're playing in the yard and we're hanging out and we play video games and we fellowship and we goof off. And you say, how undignified. Let me, let me tell you, the, the, the Elohim God and the Jehovah God, there, there's another name that's thrown in it. It's, it's not just pastor, it's, it's dad. The, the connection, Morgan gets out with me on, on Sunday mornings usually to go to the church with me when I get here really early. And I, I love to go in her room and put my arm around her and I'm, I'm trying to wake her up softly and I kiss her on the cheek and say, hey baby, it's time. Are you, are you sure you want to go with me this morning and things like that? It's, it's, it's an intimate, close relation, close knit. I, I'm connected to her from the very beginning in time, from the, the thought of her, I loved her. I hope you're getting this. This relationship that we have with Jehovah is the relationship every time you read that name, it's like God screaming out, hey, I want to be back. I want to restore the fellowship. I, I want to be near you and I want you to be with me and I, I want it to be worship. No division. You guys realize Satan's off to the side and he's like, no way, no way, no way. I, I, I didn't worship you up there. I'm down here to uh, pull everybody from worship down here. And, and I, I'm not going to let them worship you here. So Satan sticks his nose in God's business and interrupts. And of course what you're doing is he tries to divide man from the worship. From the fellowship. From the unity. From the love. From the, from the walks in the garden. He showed up to divide. I want you to remember that when we get later into this. History unfolds. Get to the end of Genesis and famine hits the land. And through Joseph, the children of Israel are moved to Egypt. 
Satan shows up again. He's always there to separate God's people and place them in the bondage. Remember that. God is the God of freedom and love. God is the God that wants to restore us and give us joy. Satan is a demon that is nothing more than wants division and bondage. And that will make sense when we get to this in a minute. So pride, fear, and arrogance takes the scene with Pharaoh, a new Pharaoh, and he places the children of Israel in bondage. And all around them in this land of bondage is false gods. Not only is there false gods everywhere around them, they are pulled into that place in bondage to serve the false gods. Think about that. Their life was building all these monuments to Pharaoh. Their life was building up all these things to false gods and brick, rocks. To prove this, have you ever noticed that all ten plagues were given by God to discredit the false gods that they worshipped? When God turned the Nile River into blood, he was attacking their false gods. And I'm not sure the name of this. It was Hapi or something like that, that he had this, this God. And you'll see this image in different places. That image was that, that God that they serve. They turn around and they would, they would paint it and they put it there. And they turn around and they go to the river and they pull out fish and say, Hey, thank you, our God, for giving us this. And our God's sitting there saying, That did nothing for you. God destroyed it. One by one, the same thing when they had the frogs that came out. That was the God of fertility, the God of, God of water, the God of renewal. God turns around and says, all right, that's your God. Attack them. I'm the God of those frogs. I'm the God of the Nile. The ten plagues was way more than talking about the power of God versus the power of Pharaoh. It was talking about the power of God trumps everything. We were created to worship God, not frogs. So they came to the tenth one, and all of a sudden it was the death of the firstborn. See, Pharaoh lifted himself up from a god. And that next god being born to raise up, God says, no, I am God. Flip forward to Exodus chapter 6. In the midst of this conflict with Pharaoh, God explained to Moses why he was going to do all this. And I, and I know you're, you guys are thinking, I thought he said he's preaching on worship. <laughs> Listen. And the Lord said unto Moses, now notice who's talking, capital L-O-R-D. Now thou shalt see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall I let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land. And God spake to Moses and said unto him, listen to this, I am the Lord. I, I am the personal God that created them, not for bondage. I am the one that deserves their worship, not statues. I am the one that created them and provides for them, not frogs, not lice, not the Nile. I am God. You know what? I'm going to show up and prove it. Verse 3, and I appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and unto Jacob. By what? By the name of God, G-O-D, Almighty. I am God, give me your son. I am God, I created everything that you have. And God says, no, it's time to restore the fellowship. And God said, it is time for the worship to be placed on the one that is worthy to receive the worship and not all the junk and the false gods that are being plastered all around them. But by the name of Jehovah was I not known unto them. 
They have not known me in this way. Now, I'm, I'm going to break off and just pause, just put a pause right there. I'm going to give you a verse, okay, on the screen. Listen to this. I'm, I want to talk about how God made us. And sometimes in, in Scripture, God just stops and, like, puts a pause and, and, and gives us an interjection and says, let me explain how you're made and why you're wired and why, why guys are supposed to be attracted to girls and girls are supposed to be attracted to guys and how marriage is supposed to be between a man and a woman and all these other things. God designed it that way. And everything that we read in Scripture, if you want to know who you are, or your identity, or what I was made to be or not to be, whatever, here, I'll give you the answer. Just go to the Creator. He knows you. Amen. He designed you. Put it in your mind like this. From the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve from dust and from a rib, and it was the hand of God, I believe, at the same time that from the very womb of, that is a creation of God, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Now listen to, to this Ecclesiastes passage, this interjection. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Now listen. Also, he has set the world in their heart. So that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Now, now let me explain this. This goes so deep, but it helps us explain. This is, I'm talking about you were created to worship the world in their hearts. Man's entire being is seeking out to discover, to find, to research, to write from, from telescopes to microscopes. They're, they're trying to figure out how to heal people. They're trying to figure out where we came from. They're trying to figure out where we're going. There's books and novels and ships going around the world and everything trying to discover this. Just to step back and all going, wow, this is a lot bigger. Every time they build a telescope to see further, they only discover that there's other galaxies beyond that that they could never touch or see. See, God had made everything beautiful in his time, and he also set the world in their heart, this desire to know so that man can find out. When they study all of these things, they realize the study of DNA, they only discover the complexity of it that can't be fully explained. When they study the galaxies, they are quick to discover the limit that they have. Every time they figure out the weather patterns and everything like that, they're wrong. This leaves man awestruck, okay? It, it means man discovers that he is inferior. The more we study the world that is in our hearts, the more we realize how inferior we are, and man constantly tries to seek out something greater than himself to worship. Because we were created to worship from the very beginning when God created us for the purpose, literally saying, here's Adam, you were created for me. You were created to worship me. Nothing else is ever going to work. If you go to the most undiscovered, remote villages that have been found with no books, TV, or internet connection, you'll find one thing in common. They build something to worship. They build something to worship. Something that represents life, they will worship a cow because it gives them milk. I don't know for us it's funny, but I mean, they're sitting there like, you keep us alive. We, they fall down and worship the cow. They worship the stars because they can't reach it. It's something greater than themselves. They, they worship rocks. And then they try to imagine what God looks like. And guys, this, this ought to break our hearts 
that people will actually take a rock or a stick and carve out a God, put it there, and then walk in and bow down to it. Why? We turn around and look at people and say, how stupid are people? How, how dumb could you be? If they don't know, all they know is they have an internal desire to worship something bigger than themselves. Before you get all judgmental about the people around the world and villages and, and those that do that, do you realize that we experience the same thing here today? Do you realize how our culture worship follows and adores celebrities, rock stars, and actors? They are just people. But they will line up for hours in the rain just so that they will walk past them. They will hang pictures on their walls. They will have their names tattooed on their bodies. They will wear a t-shirt with their picture on it. They, they will put their name of a celebrity on perfume and people line up to be able to smell like that person. If Disney wants to sell something, all they do is take somebody's face and make a label out of it. Because they're popular. And you say, what's the point of that? When people line up by tens of thousands screaming the name of a person that can sing on key. And most of them can't even do that. Lord only knows what they're screaming up there. And they're screaming out, reaching just for a chance to get a selfie or touch their hand. Why? So, well, they're popular, or they're this, or they're singers, or they're... No, no, stop. They're people. What internally is inside of us making us say they're famous? I must get to them. I want a picture with them. I want to be noticed by them. I want them to retweet something that I tweet. I, I, I want to be recognized by them. We... We're internally created by God to worship. The problem is this. When they found, and they were traveling on their discipleship journeys, and they find this idol to the unknown God. Do you know what it was? This world doesn't know who to worship. And so we judge them for the fact that they worship pop stars and rock stars and celebrities and everything else. They're just reaching out for something greater than themselves. You know what the crazy thing is? Whether you turn around and you look back at, at the fact that they can hit a ball far, or they can catch a ball or whatever it is that they can do that, that makes them so popular and strong and all this. Stop, stop and think about this. We were created to worship God because he is our creator. He is my provider. He is my sustainer. He is my protector. That is why when we get to heaven, we cry out, worthy is a lamb that was slain to what? To receive. Listen to this. Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessings. No pop star, rock star, celebrity deserves any of those things. Amen. They don't do anything for us. They only take from us. You want to see them, you pay a ticket. You want their picture, you buy the poster. We make them rich. They don't take care of us. Do you realize everything that deals with bondage goes with that? 
Everything that we turn around and go after in this world, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever, it just pulls from you. It doesn't give. You realize when we get to heaven, we worship God because he is worthy of our worship. It's put it like this. He's deserving because he's done everything to, to deserve it in our lives. God brings satisfaction. God brings joy. God brings fulfillment. These celebrities do none of this. I entitled this message, if, if I get there, The Battle for Our Worship. See, Satan is always from the very beginning, his, his fought, he's fighting to make sure that you and I do not give God what he deserves. That's why he stepped in there at the garden and said, hey, 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 I got a better way. That's why he pulled them into Egypt and said, hey, 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 worship these stones and all this. And you say it didn't affect them. When Moses went up on the mountain, you know what all the children of Israel did? They gathered all their gold together and they made an image of gold and calf to worship. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? Make something really fast. And they all bowed down and worshiped it. It's in us. Let me put it like this. We are at the same place. Can I tell you, we're battling for worship and during this time of the season, if we're there chasing after everything in this world and we're going after the things that we think are going to make us happy, and all of a sudden during the worship season when, when God gave us the, the, the sacrificial lamb and we're not thinking about that, we're just thinking about everything else, and we go into thanksgiving and we're not giving thanks to the one that is worthy of our thanks. Then Satan has won again in the hearts of his people where we are no longer worshiping the one that deserves to be worshiped. I'm going to change gears, Richard. I'm not going into that. I, I'm not going to rush through this. Can I show you guys something? Exodus chapter 5 verse 1. I'm going to close with this. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Here's God showing up with his messenger saying, Hey dude, no more bondage, no more rocks, no more stones, no more this. They were created to worship Jehovah. Now stop and look at this. It doesn't say worship. It says that they may hold a feast unto me. Listen to the word feast. Properly means to move in a circle. To march in a sacred procession. To observe in a festival by implication to be giddy. To celebrate. To dance. To have a feast or a holiday. You know what it was? God says, I want to pull my people out of bondage. I want to pull them out of bondage and I want to put them into a place where they can rejoice because they've been set free. Let me tell you, in our day and age of what God has done, God has reached into our Egypt of sin and he's pulled us out for the purpose of this, to worship the name of the Lord our God. You are no longer a slave. 
Let me tell you, anything in our lives, and I'm not going to get into it, Pharaoh starts fighting Moses on everything, and he starts giving him other options, saying, I'll tell you what, you can't have what you have, but I'll give you this instead. Three times does he do this. Three times does he try to compromise their worship. Three times. I'll give you something else. And I honestly believe with all of my heart that we're the church and God's people are doing the same thing. We have compromised our worship. 